You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's podcast is part two of four, entitled My Story by Emmanuel Schrock. Part 2 of My Story Lost and Hopeless I longed for God, yet the desires of the flesh kept pulling me away from Him. Every day I faced strong temptations in all areas of life, and though I tried my best to fight them, I could not resist. I was Amish. Everything I did and everywhere I went, I could not be anything else. My clothes were Amish, my house was Amish, my parents, my brothers and sisters were Amish, and above all, my church was Amish, but I did not know God. I heard about Him and read about Him, but I didn't know who He was, much less love Him. My body didn't care that I was Amish. When I was faced with temptation, I did what the rest of the world did. I gave up on righteousness and chose sin instead of God. My Amish hat did not keep the dirty and vile thoughts and pictures from floating inside my brain. My suspenders and homemade clothes didn't keep me from outrageous fits of anger and vile cursing and swearing. They couldn't control the evil lust that burned in my heart after I saw that first glaring page of pornography. I was taught to obey my parents because that is what Amish do, but I didn't love them. Many times I hated them. In short, being Amish did not change who I was as a person, and I knew that some day I would stand before God all alone, and I wondered if it would matter then that I was Amish. I had this foreboding feeling that even though I looked different and more religious than the rest of the world, I was of the exact same class as they were, and would be judged by the exact same law as the rest of the world. Somehow I sensed that the law of God would someday cut through my Amish cover, and the sinful person I really was would be exposed for God and the world to see. Life continued, and there were some changes in the family. My oldest brother had left home in the Amish church when he was 18, just before he was scheduled to be baptized. Of course, since he left the Amish way, he had fallen into the devil's hands, and was not only deceived himself, but was now a dangerous threat to our Amish family, because he could deceive us as well. An Amish person will confess that he doesn't know if he will make it to heaven or hell, but one thing is certain in his mind. To leave the Amish is the quickest and surest way of not making it to heaven. It makes no difference what the reasons are for leaving, or whether a person's life has changed and he now loves righteousness where before he loved sin, once that person leaves the fold in which he was born, he is given up for lost. His family mourns for him and begs for him to come back to the church, back to the old way, which can only offer a life of uncertainty, since it cannot guarantee that he will make it to heaven, even if he is Amish. I was young, but I well remember the confusion and turmoil our family went through when my brother left. To have a family member leave the Amish is the next thing to a funeral. My father retreated into a major state of depression, 
My mother's grief was so deep the pain showed constantly on her face. My older sisters walked around with red and swollen eyes. My next older brother was angry. I wasn't sure what to think. I knew that what had happened was serious. Yet there was a strange secret feeling of excitement. Something new was in the air, and as a young Amish boy, nothing was ever new, nor did the future have any promise of holding anything new. As I grew older, I often scorned my brother for deserting the faith in front of my friends, but secretly I wondered if perhaps he wasn't closer to answering the same questions that I was being bothered with. Questions like, how can I know that I am right with God? I was secretly jealous of him at times because he had the advantage of searching for answers outside of the box of the Amish religion, an advantage that I was told is sin and deception. But in the back of my mind, I knew that he was probably closer to finding the answers than I or my parents or even my church were. At least for him, there were no limits to hold him back from pursuing the answers. For me and the rest of my family, there was this constant barrier called Amish that loomed in front of us, beyond which we were not allowed to go. It is like you are being held in this fenced-in little pen, and you are not allowed to go outside the pen. You know and sense that there is something you desperately need and want that is not found inside of the pen, yet you are forbidden to go outside. My brother often wrote letters to us at home, which we read eagerly. In them, he stated his reasons for leaving, pointing out areas where the Amish church did not agree with the Bible. Some of the letters had a large impact on my father, because my brother pointed out to him that if being Amish wasn't able to give my father victory over sin and peace with God, why was he asking him to come back to the church? If being Amish doesn't do what it claims to be able to do, that is to prepare a person to meet God, why go back to it? If the best and most strict Amish man admits that he has no guarantee that being Amish will make him good enough for heaven, why in the world should a person go back and try to make it by being Amish? Five years after my oldest brother left home, my next older brother decided that being Amish was not good enough security for him to base his salvation on, and he too left. His departure from the faith sent a wave of shock through the community, since he had been a faithful and respected young Amish man. He was soon dismissed as another deceived young man who wanted to go out into the world to have fun and use the Bible as an excuse. Yet those of us who knew him and lived with him knew that he was only following the truth as he found it in the Bible. He cared more about God and righteousness now than he did when he was Amish, but that didn't matter to the church. He had left the faith, and for him there was no hope. They took it as a serious warning of how deceiving it can be to listen to those opkigani who use the Bible as an excuse to live like the world. An even bigger shock was in store for our Amish community. Six months later, my parents also left the church, along with all the children that were at home. Within a year, three more families left the church we had gone to for years. I was 15 when this major change took place in my life. Suddenly, an entire world opened up before me. The fences in which I had felt so confined were suddenly removed, and I was able to see the world from an entirely different light. Until now, the church had always decided what was right or wrong. But now, all of a sudden, I had to decide for myself what was right. I was suddenly responsible for my own life. There was no longer someone else telling me what was the right way to live and believe. 
I was now forced to make up my mind whether I would serve God or sin. This was harder than simply following a set of rules that someone else had already decided were right for me. I now had to depend on my conscience and the Bible, and it forced me to become serious about where my life was headed. This new change drove me to the Bible. I began reading it in English, which had been strongly discouraged by the Amish. I started reading the familiar passages that I had heard preached all my life in church, and suddenly the words of the Bible became alive with meaning, simply because I was able to understand them. I discovered that the Bible in English was saying the same thing as it did in German, only now I understood it better because I understood the words in English. The new change in life and some relationship problems between my parents made life confusing and unstable at home. I longed more than ever to have the answers to life, and more and more I found myself going to the Bible for those answers. I was now free to let it say what it was trying to, instead of what somebody else wanted it to say. The fierce temptations of lust that all young men are faced with drove me in desperation to find some source of power and victory that would help me overcome, and slowly the Word of God became that source of victory. The question of where I was headed still loomed before me, and I could not avoid it. Now that I was no longer Amish, I could no longer rely on that to make me good enough for heaven. But now, where was I supposed to turn to find peace with God? What was it that I needed to do to be saved? As I read the Bible, I was faced with a few questions. I had grown up hearing that it is impossible to know that you are saved. It was considered pride for a person to say that he knows he's going to make it to heaven. But why then did Jesus say, You must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God? Why would the Bible tell us that we need to be born again in order to see heaven, then turn around and say that there is no way we can know that we are going there? It would be like a father telling his son he must go to the grocery store, but then telling him there's no way he can know if he's on the right road to get there. Then I would read verses like this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I became convinced that there was definitely a way I could know that I had eternal life. If Jesus came to die for me and to give me life, why could I not know that I had it? According to these verses, if I have the Son, I have life. But if I don't have the Son, I don't have life. Then I read in the book of Ephesians, For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This was scary stuff for me. I realized that I could not get to heaven by being good enough. This was frustrating, because now I didn't know what to do since God would not accept my works in exchange for salvation. Being good was the only thing I knew how to do to please God, and if that didn't work, I didn't know what else to do. I felt like my salvation was outside of my control that there was nothing I could do to get God to save me. I tried all the things people told me I need to do. I confessed my sins and was as sorry for them as I could be. 
Many, many times I asked God to forgive my sins. I often prayed until I felt better, but I was never sure whether God had really forgiven me or not. I always felt like I couldn't be sorry enough or feel badly enough about my sins for God to forgive them. As I continued to read the Bible, I came across verses like these in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Even though I had heard these verses in German many times, I couldn't understand them. I had heard about their Glauben, or faith, growing up, but I didn't know what the Bible meant when it said, I must believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. To just believe was too simple. There had to be more involved to salvation than just believing in Jesus. Surely there was some work that I had to do. Surely I must do something to clean myself up before God would save me. And yet, the words of the Bible kept coming back to me. He that believes is not condemned. That sounded so easy, and it was exactly what I was looking for. I wanted to be free from this condemnation, this guilt and fear of death and hell. I wanted to be free from the judgment that hung over me, and in this simple verse I saw a way out. Many times I thought to myself, if I could just believe, but I didn't know how to believe. When I tried to believe, I would look inside my heart and try to make faith rise up inside of me and try to find a feeling telling me that now I believed. But when the feeling didn't come, I would give up and decided that I must not have truly believed. Therefore, believing was always something just outside of my reach. I felt like I would never be able to reach the point where I truly believed and was saved. I hated this feeling of helplessness. I wished that God would just come down and save my soul because I asked Him to. Didn't He see that I wanted to be saved? Didn't he know that I was trying to be a Christian and wanted to do what was right? Didn't he see that my heart was sincere and that I truly wanted to know him and to serve him? Why then could he not just do the miracle that it took to save me? What more could I do to show him that I was serious about following him? It seemed like I was doing my best to do my part, but God was just not doing his part. I did all the things I knew how to do to be a godly young man but it seemed like God didn't care. I fought sin as hard as I could and did my best to be righteous, but none of my efforts succeeded in giving me peace with God. There were many times when the full weight of the importance of my salvation was so heavy upon me that I cried out to God for mercy because I didn't know what else to do, but it seemed like God didn't hear. I was in this state of despair for a long time, and I wondered if I would ever see the light. I envied other people who were rejoicing in the peace and forgiveness that they had found in Christ, and I became even more exasperated. It was frustrating to see others possessing the peace that I was looking for, and which the Bible said I could have, and they had it, but I didn't know how to get it. In my mind, I put way more effort into my salvation than many of them did, and I couldn't understand what they did that I wasn't doing that worked for them. It seemed to me that God was being partial by just giving out salvation to those who were lucky enough to meet the right requirements. How I long to be one of those lucky ones.
This is the end of part two. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.